Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he saved Latin. What did you ever do? It's Arturo Zurita. Thank you, Zach. Slobby Boy himself here to argue for the best Wes Anderson movie, the one that I co-starred in, and uh, I'm excited to do it with two fine gentlemen that have joined us uh, to go through all of his empirical pictures. <laughs> yes, also with us, without a doubt, the two most wonderful wild animals I've ever met. It's Jeff and Karsten from the Karstcast. What's up, guys? What's up, Jeff? It's been a little while since we had you. It on. has been a little while, you know. I'm glad to be here. Glad to talk about uh, one of my favorite directors, Wes Anderson. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I think I think all of us would say he's probably one of our favorite filmmakers. I don't know if anybody here is like, going to go out and say it's he's my definitive favorite filmmaker, number one, unless... Uh, Someone wants to surprise us or something like that. But uh, anyway, we'll, in a little bit, we will get into Fantastic Mr. Fox, The French Dispatch, and all our favorite Wes Anderson films. But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We are at intercutpod. That's intercut, P-O-D, and that's short for podcast oh. also. We are Intercut Pod on Patreon, where you can support the show for as little as $1 per month. And also, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. When you leave us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, it makes me happier than watching Bill Murray's little wetsuit danced in Steve Zizou. I love that little, like, just, like, hip movement there. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> Let's get into the Wes Anderson bracket. We've done a few of these filmmaker brackets before on the show, getting to the bottom of what the best, definitive best piece of media that some of our most iconic filmmakers have put forth. The way we always start out with our filmmaker bracket episodes is to talk a little bit about what that filmmaker means to us. So, Carson, why don't you get us started off with what is a Wes Anderson movie to you? Okay, really quick before I get into that, I think you guys sure. should take the winner of each of these filmmaker brackets and one day do a bracket of the winners to decide what is the best film. Oh, jeez. <laughs> of but all anyways, time. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But to answer your question, I think they're very quirky and very personal movies that, I don't know, they, they all are kind of similar to one another. Like, you can't argue that if you've seen one of his films, you've seen them all. But I also kind of disagree with that in that they each have their their special quirk to them. And that everyone I know has... Uh, I, I learned this while doing my ranking, and this is just a disclaimer moving forward, that, like, everyone has their own favorite Wes Anderson movie, and there's, like, not really a wrong answer to that. And I mm-hmm. think that's a very special special quality about him that I that's personally cool. really love. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean... I would disagree with that last part. There is a wrong answer. Isle of Dogs is the wrong yeah, answer. Yeah, it's an Isle of Dogs. It's <laughs> so like, what if Fantastic Mr. Fox was less good? Yeah. There's an Isle of Dogs it, fan outside just, like, throwing rocks. He's upset. this podcast right now. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, somewhere, I have an Isle of Dogs shirt. I don't know why, but I own one. Might be a cute shirt. The dogs yeah, are kind of cute. They are cute. Yeah, dogs. it just has the dog's face on it. I don't even know where it is. But <laughs> there you somewhere. go. You can kind of wear that and just sort of pretend it's not Isle of Dogs. Yeah, I'm just a big fan of dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isle of them. That is an interesting point that Carson brings up about the uh, different favorite Wes Anderson films. I think more than most filmmakers, 
it, there's more argument about what actually is his best movie. Like with a guy like Paul Thomas Anderson, people usually wind up with something like There'll Be Blood or more recently maybe Phantom Thread or, you know, even Sp a guy like Spielberg who's iconic, you know, people point to the same like two or three movies as maybe his best. And there's a lot of variance in terms of who people uh, or what people claim as their favorite Wes Anderson film. What do you think, Art? Where do you lie on the whole like style versus substance argument when it comes to Wes Anderson? I mean, I can see it. If it's not your style, because he's so meticulous at what he does, I've always seen his approach as kind of being stop motion live action. It's like he treats his mm -hmm. live action stars as if he's making a stop motion picture out of them and everything's down to the detail. And I think that's the best part because it's almost like you're watching a miniature come to life in mm -hmm. his movies and I don't know I've always found that fascinating that doesn't mean all of them are going to work uh, and it does come off dry at points but I don't know I like the worlds that he builds because you can see the passion that he has for them so I've always liked revisiting them because you catch another little detail and I can't I can't imagine being on set with the man because <laughs> I think he would notice every single thing that went wrong if there was like a fingerprint that wasn't supposed to be there he'd be able to clean it up but uh, that, that's what makes this style so, so unique Absolutely. Uh, and, and Jeff, you know, there's is that kind of like signature style. Like, do you do you like that you can catch these things that sort of have grown with him as a filmmaker, but have carried through in terms of how he approaches movies? Like, do you like that there is such a definitive Wes Anderson style and you're not going to be maybe quite as surprised when you go into a new Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, I mean, so in Chicago at the Art Institute, you know, there's the miniatures room. The bottom and like there's like a note I think that says like Wes Anderson this is his favorite part of the place and that you know there are all these really meticulous details in these tiny little rooms and those like reminded me of Wes Anderson and then I saw that and I'm like okay yes this makes yeah. sense but but that's the thing is like you know what you're looking for and it's very aesthetically pleasing so it's like I'm not disappointed when mm -hmm. I have more of that thing that my eyes like looking at I I would be disappointed if I you know went to a Wes Anderson film and it didn't look like that. So shaky. Absolutely. Kid. You're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. It's like Wes yeah, Anderson I mean... prevent prevents presents tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think the fact that he has such a distinctive style that it can be parodied speaks to just yeah. how strong of a visual mm -hmm. filmmaker he is. And you know, it, yeah, maybe there is like some some aspect of repetition towards his style but it, the, I think the word that has already come up is meticulous and like you can tell like everything is meticulous and, and labored over and, and thought about and it's not just stylish for for the stake, sake of being stylish but I think it is stylish for the sake of communicating a world, building a, building a universe for his characters to live in. There's few filmmakers who are as good at communicating an idea of a place through the environment as he is. And he, he just, you know, really builds these really interesting environments for his movies to take place in. But anyway, we should get to the actual movies and commercials and shorts like we always do. We want to include every little bit around the filmmaker and talk about all that they've done. We have two different rounds here. The first round is going to be just different commercials and shorts and other endeavors before we talk about the feature films. Let's start out with a couple of commercials that Wes Anderson has worked on. There is the Apartomatic commercial that he did for Stella Artois and the SoftBank commercial that he did uh, filmed in France but is 
aired in Japan, and it's also the only time that Wes Anderson has worked with Brad Pitt, interestingly enough. Brad Pitt loves to star in these random Japanese commercials. He does. You know, the Apartomatic uh, commercial is pretty is pretty quirky and fun. It's co-directed by Roman Coppola, essentially. It's like this couple comes home to an apartment and there's all these devices that are triggered by buttons and then eventually they pour out the perfect Stella Artois, but it, there's not as much distinctive about it, so I, I know a few, a couple of you have actually seen the SoftBank one. I think we can comfortably put Brad Pitt running around <laughs> a French countryside road into the next round. So we'll, we'll skip this one here and head over to uh, the matchup between two of his only, I would say, like actual short films. Hotel Chevalier versus Come Together. Come Together was done, it's like a H&M, I think. Yeah, yeah uh, H&M. Sponsored short film for the holidays that stars Adrian Brody as like a train conductor yeah. at Christmas. And then there is Hotel Chevalier, which is kind of like a <clears throat> prequel of sorts to uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, excuse me, not Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, the Darjeeling Limited, and sort of is referenced within that movie too. Some some beautifully done stuff in both of these films, but Karsten, of his two shorts here, which one is more memorable to you? I won't lie, I really like the Come Together one. Mm-hmm. I remember it a lot more vividly than I do Hotel Chevalier. Um, yeah, whatever, whatever. I don't speak French. <laughs> I just like Hotel Chevalier seems kind of like a Wes Anderson like greatest hits and kind of just like mm-hmm. morphs into whatever that era of filmmaking he was in whereas Come Together is obviously a little bit more it's more recent right it's yeah and it yeah it feels like a good companion piece with Grand Budapest Hotel in a way with just like the color mm-hmm. palette and it's a lot more refined and precise I, I just I think it's a lot more enjoyable to look at yeah, come together has a lot of that like uh, move, like movement left and right and up and yeah. down within the frame that he uh, has incorporated as kind of like one of his signature styles. I do really love the tragic comic nature of romantic tragic nature, I guess, of uh, Hotel Chevalier. Mm-hmm. One of those stories that is both kind of like heartbreaking and a little bit romantic in its weird way. And it's another one of those stories where Wes Anderson is able to use a character's silence to to speak about their pain without saying those words. Mm-hmm. Jeff, have you seen, have you had a chance to see both these? Do you? I have not seen Come Together, but I've seen Hotel Chevalier. Do you like that one? I I do. I mean, the thing though is, it feels for me. Obviously, it was never intended to be a standalone piece. I don't. I don't. You know, think. Right. So. I, it's very much a complimentary piece. Exactly. So it works really well as a complimentary piece. Um, as I don't know, are we judging this? I guess. I, <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen come together, but I like Hotel Chevalier. <laughs> it's a very nice compliment to Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know what? We'll I'll throw uh, come together into the next round because I do agree that it's it's pretty delightful. Even though you know. It, Hotel Chevalier was that one time that uh, Wes worked with Natalie Portman, too. It's true. crazy that he hasn't had a chance to work with her again. Let's get into a couple other shorts. This one is Do You Like to Read versus Castello Cavalcati. 
Do You Like to Read is one of the two promotional shorts that he made for Moonrise Kingdom. This one stars Bob Balaban kind of doing some in, uh, introductions of stories and it's sort of like a twee version of Reading Rainbow. But I think it does a really good job of demonstrating how Wes is able to build what feels like a fully realized world in, in just like a couple moments and just a couple lines and shots and stuff like that. So I like it a lot, but I really love Castello Calvati. So I think I want to put that one into the next round if nobody disagrees no, there. Yeah. Then we go to Prada Candy versus Cousin Ben's Troop Screening, another one of the Moonrise Kingdom shorts starring Jason Schwartzman. Prada Candy is a series of three ads that he did for uh, Prada Perfume starring Leia Sadu, and it's sort of got some of that early Francophile stuff that Wes likes to put in his in his shorts, in his movies, and everything. Carson, between Prada Candy and the Cousin Ben Troop Screening, which one do you prefer? I think the Cousin Ben Troop Screening is just a lot more charming. Prada Candy, I think, is like a lot of... It honestly reminds me a lot of the French Dispatch, just the way it looks and and kind of acts and Mm -hmm. it it kind of it's a lot of the worst parts about the french dispatch in my opinion like it's very loose i kind of don't care about anything that's going on (laughs) but yeah you can't deny like one of the main pulls with moonrise kingdom in that world is just like it's very sweet and kind of warm and i think that that just does a little bit more for me than prada candy (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. Jeff, did you watch these ones or? No, I have not. So I have no opinion okay. on the matter. <laughs> no worries. Oh yeah. So I'll, I'll agree there. I mean, Prada is kind of got this fun romantic triangle going on, but it's also like extremely thin as mm-hmm. you would expect from like a couple of perfume commercials, <laughs> but it has, it has that style that is uh, obviously lovely in Wes Anderson stuff, but I, I think there's a little bit more there in the Moonrise Kingdom short. Then we get to the matchup between Bottle Rocket, the short film, and the major motion animated picture from Illumination, Sing. Art, can you remind us why Sing is in this bracket? Because Wes Anderson, for those of you who don't know, does a voice in this movie, meaning that it is, in fact, cinema. Sing 2 will be in theaters in advanced screening starting November 27th if you would like to go get purchase your tickets. Sing is an enjoyable animation. <laughs> In my household, I don't mind it. Oh uh, <laughs> is it over the top? Is it goofy? Yes. I don't know if I'm going to pick it over the bottle rocket short. But just for the sake of the bracket, sure. I like his performance in Sing. I think it says a lot. <laughs> and it shows that he's willing to cross boundaries and do... To illuminate his senses in other in other ways. And uh, oh I don't God. hate Sing. <laughs> but he is in it. And, and not just him. I believe... Uh, Soho, what's his name, is also in the in Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright also does the voice in Sing, so you know, mm-hmm. y'all sleeping on Sing if you haven't caught it. You know, all the auteurs are in there. I think they it's know what's up. It's cinema for sure. That's all I'm saying. Uh, does somebody want to defend Bottle Rocket? Yeah. I mean, after that, I, I can't. <laughs> Even though the thing is, it's it's great that these are two matched up together because I do think these are the two like worst things in his catalog. Like, if you guys have you guys have seen the Bottle Rocket short, it's not good it's like really yeah it's really fun to look back on because it's just like it's His essentially first. what you would make in high school yeah it had like the tiniest budget in the world like they ran out of money and he's like <laughs> kind of just winging it it's just it kind of has like an anti-climax of sorts yeah it just doesn't doesn't work yeah but i uh, <laughs> 
I don't know how we're judging these things, but I think it's still better than Sing as a movie. But maybe not as maybe <laughs> Wes Anderson's performance surpasses it. So I don't. Yeah, you know what? Like I can't I can't say that I've seen the Wes Anderson performance in Sing, so I might have to go with Bottle Rocket here. <laughs> you don't, unfortunately, you don't really Sorry, see it. Arturo. You feel it. That's what it is. That's what yeah. it is. And I, I haven't seen Sing either, but I still feel that performance. So I'm going with art. I'm going Sing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do we need to break into a tiebreaker? Caitlin isn't here. Does anybody else have a have a significant other they can yell you at? You know what? Just to like have the fantastic Mr. Fox versus Sing matchup, let's push Sing forward and just see how that goes. <laughs> for the record, we got Carson voting for Sing. Sing is moving on in the bracket. <laughs> Put it down. Yeah. All right. So Sing advances beyond Bottle Rocket in the Wes Anderson bracket. <laughs> just real quick, the Bottle Rocket short. The short. The short. I, I just want to. It's Bottle Rocket. If you want to define which Bottle Rocket yeah. is, sure. This but man, it beat Bottle he's Rocket. He's going to tweet from Intercut that that's what Carson chose, and then in the second tweet, he's going to put, "Oh, sorry, I forgot to say short." Addendum: short. And then our last first round matchup is between another couple of commercials. First is the Amex My Life My Card commercial, and then there is the Made of Imagination mm. commercial, which was for the Sony Xperia piece of technology that I forgot existed. Uh, it's the Made of Imagination ad is kind of cute. It's uh, maybe his first uh, full stop motion thing. I don't know what year this came out. And it sort of is animating a kid explaining how he thinks a smartphone works, like these little robots, I almost said robots, robots (laughs) who are inside the phone uh, making it work. I mean, I like it. It's charming enough, but it is not as memorable as that Amex commercial, which is, like, frankly, one of my more memorable commercials. It's when he walks walks around, right? Like, on the set, and he's just got his... Yeah. Yeah. The... The Amex commercial is, like, one of my favorite things. It's super... It's, like... It just, like, gets a lot of his humor, which I think is Mm -hmm. a big draw for me. And he... It's just a hilarious commercial. I don't know why. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I love that commercial. (laughs) All right, so we'll go with Amex, my life, my card here. And then get into the next round and start talking about some of these feature films, the uh, the meat of the West Anderson bracket. Let's bring it back to Bottle Rocket, this time the feature film up against the SoftBank ad. You know, I, I think Battle Rocket is considered by most people, like if not the weakest Wes Anderson, then like one of the weakest Wes Anderson films. But that being said, I don't know if anybody wants to take it over like 60 seconds of Brad Pitt in a yellow shirt, as delightful <laughs> as those 60 seconds are. No. I mean, is it, is, it might not even be 60. It might be 30. Yeah. Honestly, I would have put Rocket's it. no sing. Uh, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have put the apparatus, the apartomatic or whatever it was called. They, they poured a really good pint in that one. So either way, that's going to lose the bottom rocket regardless of. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into our first matchup between two feature films, and I don't expect this one to last very long. It is Isle of Dogs versus The Grand Budapest Hotel. I've already said a little bit about Isle of Dogs, but anybody else want to talk a little bit about how they feel about that movie before we move on? How many of y'all have (laughs) Grand Budapest shirts? Well, no. How many of y'all have Isle of Dogs shirts? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i guess i can't argue with that (laughs) i will say i went to the movie theater in chicago when i saw i love dogs that had axe throwing 
and uh, you could hear the axe throwing during Isle of Dogs. <laughs> so that definitely didn't improve the experience, but I'm glad if it had to be during one Wes Anderson film, it was that one. Yeah. Would you consider Isle of Dogs even lower than Bottle Rocket on y'all's list? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, here's I, the thing. I actually like Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket's not even my bottom two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember where I put it in my ranking on YouTube, so someone's going to yell at me uh, regardless of <laughs> But, yeah, Isle of Dogs I, just feels, like, kind of empty. And I, I think, like, especially in the sound, which is, you know, it's funny you bring up the axe stuff because, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I know there was an article a while ago when it was ca- when it came out that was like, why are so many people falling asleep to Isle of Dogs? And it's because it's just kind of like this really, like, dreamy like just get because they didn't by. have people throwing axes in the background yeah yeah <laughs> it helps for it was, sure it was quiet and then you hear dope. Yeah. i remember <laughs> i it was zach who told me i was just like he's i was like he's just homaging is it really that bad and zach's like you do realize when they're speaking japanese they're not actually speaking <laughs> japanese. Not japanese and i was like wait what <laughs> i didn't know the difference and then he's telling me he's like no he just had them just say random words and i was like Oh, he made this movie when? So yeah, mm-hmm. at that point I realized, yeah, it probably was the most soulless one that he had. But it's got dogs. I think that's what people were attracted to it the most for it. And it sucks yeah. that, you know, yeah. after doing Fantastic and Mr. Like, Fox. I know this is also an extremely reductive way to view movies. But if we are going back to the comparison between Bottle Rocket and Isle of Dogs, it's like Isle of Dogs would actually be pretty entertaining. Just like muting it and watching it because it's a, yeah. it's a oh, craft, it's well-crafted mm-hmm. enough visual mm-hmm. movie whereas he didn't quite have that style yet with bottle rocket mm-hmm. still though I, I don't know i don't know that's a that's a tough call there it's grand budapest but, hotel yeah <laughs> grand budapest hotel yeah much easier to pick over isle of dogs going from one movie that had some iffy cultural appropriation to another one <laughs> then our next matchup is the darjeeling limited versus come together <laughs> two train set tales from wes anderson oh, yeah one a lot more limited than the other. And one of the things that's cool about Come Together, it's got that like very stagey quality, but it shows how Wes can be very sneakily sentimental. Like it doesn't feel like a, a like a film that's gonna tug on your heartstrings until like those very last seconds where it all comes together, I guess pun intended. I I do like that commercial a lot. I got to rewatch the Darjeeling Limited in order to prep for this bracket, because I hadn't seen it in, in a few years. And while I do find that movie still to be kind of messy, there's a lot of like idiosyncrasies that I, I, I love in it. I love the relationship between the brothers. I don't know if I've ever seen a cinematic relationship quite like that, where they're, they, the, the internal bickering and the little like uh, clicks that they're forming and telling each other secrets along the way just feels very lived in in its own way. I feel like I'd go Darjeeling Limited here over the short, but uh, I don't know if anybody else feels differently. Totally. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna pick the short. <laughs> Easy enough. I haven't seen. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that might that might help. True. Okay, Costello Calvalcanti versus the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. I guess this is the part where I have to defend a eight minute short film sponsored by Prada, starring Jason Schwartzman. But it, it's so delightful, and I think the thing that's so great, uh, particularly, is like I think Jason Schwartzman, more than maybe any other actor in the greater Wes Anderson universe, just gets 
Wes Anderson's dialogue, like gets that rapid pace that like that quick delivery and like uh, quick turns in emotion. He really, really makes uh, Wes Anderson's script sing. And here he's like in full Rushmore mode. Mm -hmm. I I love this short film. Carson, I know you've seen it too. What do you think between uh, Castella Cavalcanti and the life aquatic with Steve Zizou? I do love that short a lot. And it has, honestly, it's like one of his only shorts where like an iconic shot, comes out of it like i think everyone knows the shot of like the just the the street and the whatever but the the life aquatic is phenomenal i mean every time i revisit it which has been a few times i think since i first saw it there's like a new detail to to pick up on and you know i i hate to see it go but you know it's the life aquatic and also i want uh jeff to Jeff will jump in here. I know. I'm just saying on behalf of Jeff that that's his favorite movie, and I know it's that yeah. is that is. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. So I, I, again, I also um, have not seen the short, <laughs> but the Life Aquatic <laughs> is my favorite. The Life Aquatic is is my favorite film. So I think that film. this would have to be a really good short. Yeah. yeah. Really? So I'm just, I can't, like, I can fathom an eight minute short being so good that it's better than my favorite film. <laughs> you haven't seen this short, man. You haven't really. really You're like, the short will change your life. Yeah. Yeah. Art, right, any thoughts on Life Aquatic? Um, I was, because Ghostbusters is also out as well, he was talking about what are the uh, tattoos that people have gotten of Bill Murray on themselves. <laughs> and he's like, obviously, number one is Ghostbusters, but number two was his character in Life Aquatic, just the whole aesthetic with the beanie, people have literally put that on their bodies. So I feel like I've always felt that he's had the best color palette here. I don't think it's his best visually, mm. I guess personally, but it's like I think the best color schemes that he used comes from this, and I think it's some of the most iconic uh, outfits from it, and I agree. I don't think an eight-minute film <laughs> will supersede a whole feature, <laughs> uh, at least in this in this one right here. So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy to seed this one to the Life Aquatic, it, provided you guys promise to go watch that short film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Life Aquatic moves on, and our next matchup is between the Royal Tenenbaums and Cousin Ben's troop screening. So obviously we're all going with Cousin Ben's <laughs> troop screening. <laughs> now wait a second. Um, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but yeah, again, l- like I've said, uh, Jason Schwartzman just gets that Wes Anderson dialogue and uh, does so much with it. I think uh, one of one of my favorite things about Wes Anderson uh, when the writing is like this is just how, how snappy it is and how it feels like there's two or three different conversations happening at the same time and you get a little bit of that in the Cousin Ben short. All right, Sing versus Fantastic Mr. Fox. Arturo? <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic. <laughs> Oh, I was hoping for uh, some sing. It, you know, <laughs> yeah. if it would have faced one of the other, like the product commercial, I think it would have had a chance, uh, but now I might have to go. Maybe even Bottle Rocket, the feature, but uh, now I have to go Fantastic Mr. Fox. I will say the one thing these two have in common is that Wes Anderson voices someone in both movies because Wes Anderson does go. play the weasel in Fantastic Mr. Fox, and that's my anecdote for this round. <laughs> now wait Finding parallels we didn't know were there. Yeah. Wait till you hear him and sing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's go to another matchup between two feature films. This one is Moonrise Kingdom versus The French Dispatch. 
Carson, I know you ruffled some feathers with your recent Wes Anderson rankings, putting putting the boy Jared Gilman at the bottom. Do, do you do you want a tone, or are you gonna rep for a fresh French Dispatch here? I ruffled the Leeds feathers. Like <laughs> you got to know how how bad that feels when <laughs> he's like, you ticked off the boy. Yeah, well, I was like, I said in the video, I was like, Jared, you seem like a really cool guy. This has nothing to do with you. And then he uh, quote tweeted, which is the the worst way to go down. <laughs> yeah. He quote tweeted. And then he, unfo- <laughs> he unfollowed Karsten on everything. <laughs> he did not do that. He did not do that. He posted a picture of the Ladybird drama teacher when he's like, they don't get it. Um, <laughs> and he, he said that about my video and it got like 900 likes. Damn. And I, what I said to him was, in if it means anything, Patterson is my favorite Jim Jarmusch movie, which he is also in. Right. Good call. Albeit not the lead of that film, but anyway, he's <laughs> good in it. I, I really, I people forget. I really like Moonrise Kingdom. I think it's a really, it's just, it, this, it's my least favorite of his. It does the least for me, and maybe that's just because I watched it at a time in my life where there was like not a lot to get out of it. Maybe I'll like it a little bit more now, but it's just not a. I was never like a camp kid. I was never like I didn't have a I don't I don't have nostalgia for this kind of movie. I don't feel whatever they're feeling. It's not it's just not my my Wes Anderson movie and The French Dispatch I I think can be argued has nothing for people to connect to. Like that's the thing everyone's saying, Zach included. Um <laughs> but <laughs> to me it's like him at his most refined. It's it's hilarious. It, honestly, there's there's more of it to connect to. I feel like it's something where I'll connect to something right now, and and maybe a few years from now see something else in it. I just think it has a lot of rewatchability and a lot of uh, I don't know, it's just fun. That's I don't think I might I, I'm expecting to lose this round though. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so that is one vote for French Dispatch. Arturo, what about you? Where are you going to fall on that matchup? I don't hate French Dispatch, so I agree with you there, Carson. Cool. Uh, but I disagree with you because Jared, I did get it. I think Moonrise Kingdom is one of his best. I love that movie. I think his performance in it uh, is great as well. So I would put Moonrise over the French Dispatch. But I agree with Carson. I think in a couple of years we're going to look back at the French Dispatch. And specifically, I think it's very much focused on him as a director and what he's trying to say through the, through the piece and different vignettes that he had there. So I don't hate the French Dispatch. But I love Moonrise Kingdom, so that'd be my pick. Jeff, what do you think about the French Dispatch? I normally hate anthologies. Like, any, like, vignettes within films, I hate them. It's my (laughs) least favorite type of anything. And I love French Dispatch. It's the first time I've ever liked an anthology. What Uh, what do you hate about anthologies? Just because it is, it's just, I feel like there's, instead of giving you like anything substantial it's just like giving you these tiny pieces instead of i'd rather just watch one long thing you know than mm-hmm. a bunch of short things okay just because i don't know i'm never like satisfied and then i feel like when i'm connecting to something then it just is like here's a new thing mm. <laughs> yeah but, there is kind of like a start and stop quality to the anthology movie in particular yeah the thing is that wes anderson made a very like the world is just so cohesive and the fact that the world is what ties all these stories together it's just something that worked for me in a in a very interesting way i don't know it's just 
again, it, it mainly is because Wes Anderson was using every aesthetic, <clears throat> you know, thing that he's ever done, and he just finally like connected all of them together, and even throwing aside the the plot, like a grander plot, where it's, it is they are you know kind of tangentially connected, but they're not mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. connected. A lot of these stories, mm-hmm. but it's just something where the experience of watching it was very satisfying for me. And I also agree with Carson that I do not like Moonrise Kingdom. I, okay, I, I like it. I, I, I'm saying if you're judging it against other Wes Anderson films, because that's the thing. It's still probably, if I was going to do a top 200 films of all time, it's still going to make that list. But it's probably my second least favorite Wes Anderson behind Isle of Dogs, or I guess ahead of Isle of Dogs. Jared's going to come in with that thing that he used in the movie, the little yeah. the, the arrow thing. <laughs> I was going to say, just putting words in my mouth. I never said I didn't like Moonrise Kingdom, but yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah, it's my least favorite. That's okay. Yeah. Difference. All right. I, I've said some things about French Dispatch, but I, I'm in this same camp as Karsten with Moonrise where I don't hate or dislike French Dispatch. I think it is good. I, even if I, there are qualities to it that frustrated me or maybe tired me. That said, like Moonrise is is great guys i don't i don't know where this, this split is right coming down, from yeah. this is yeah the, I, I the last podcast collaboration i guess it was wow. nice knowing y'all yeah, it's been it's been a good run appreciate it we're ending here the the hangout is yeah. running out of time giving it to sing yeah. and uh, that's a wrap so <laughs> it is congratulations tied, sing what's anderson's tied, best right? film uh so it is tied i believe moonrise to french so what's the toss up here we have to i have to go over to Artura's house, and we have to arm wrestle or something. Yeah, yeah. Has it? What happens now? What is? I've never. This <laughs> Did no one? No one has somebody around them that, that can break the tie. Uh, wait, I can. I have. I can hold up fingers behind my back, and then you guys guess it. Whoever it's one or That's two, and whoever. <laughs> About. You're on our team. You can rig this. <laughs> I could, I, I, but I won't. I'm very trustworthy. Okay, I got, I got, I got fingers. Guy. I got fingers here. Okay. Wait, no. I, okay, right. let me start over because I already implied that it was plural. Oh. Okay, I am now holding up one or two fingers. Call it, Zach. Let's go with two. Ah, it's two. Yes, that is a win for Moonrise Kingdom. Sorry, French Dispatch. We don't like anthologies here. <laughs> I think either way, it's, I think either way, the winner is going to have a tough time in the next, in the next round one, yeah. because it's pl- it's up against the winner of the Amex My Life My Card commercial or Rushmore, perhaps like the signature. Wes Anderson film. I think Carson was kind of hinting at this when he talked about the Amex commercial earlier, but I think there's so much in that Amex commercial that is like exactly what you want out of Wes Anderson, that precision with the movements, the layer of action happening, dialogue dialogue threads that kind of alternate progress where he's talking to the camera about his Amex and then he's talking to the people around him about the movie. Juggling both. I, I, the commercial is like what you want out of Wes Anderson and that it kind of like also is giving you this almost sort of behind the scenes look at how he does things it makes makes it that much more fun. Like I, I like it just as sort of a cinephile who who relishes that chance to see his process, even if it is kind of like a, a made up commercial. and stylized version of his process. So I really, really like the Amex My Left My Card commercial, but 
I, I love Rushmore, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna choose it over Rushmore. Anybody else wanna wanna talk about that commercial? What they thought about it? Because it is kind of one of the signature like filmmakers doing the doing thing. a commercial in the U.S. It's good. I got yeah. an MX pass. Yeah, yeah. It's one of it is one of my favorite commercials. But that's yeah. It's not. It's not gonna be Rushmore. Yeah. He. Collaborates with Jason Schwartzman a lot on these uh, lesser efforts or, you know, commercials and stuff. I guess he's down to just, like, be in the Wes Anderson playground. A lot of actors are down to be in the Wes Anderson playground. In fact, let's take a quick break from the bracket to do Wes Anderson trivia. Do you all know the four actors who have been in more than four Wes Anderson feature films. I got this. I got this. I'm going to say it's Bill Murray, obviously. He's been in nine. That's the most. Jason Schwartzman. Um, He's been in six. Okay. Uh, Owen Wilson. Has been in eight. Right. Okay. And then... This one is hard. I'm going to say... Particularly because she's a voice in at least two of these movies, if not more. damn. Oh, shit. Okay, wait. <laughs> I said she, and I was like, "Oh, wait." Uh, who are you? Who are you thinking? I'm gonna. S- oh, damn. Okay, wait. I'm gonna say Francis. No, no. Francis McDormand. <laughs> I think she's only been in three. Uh, Tilda's could be wrong with that one. Oh my God! It's Tilda's- Tilda Swinton. It's not Tilda. What? Tilda's been in four. Tilda's been in the last four, but she's only been in four. Um, were you thinking Adrian Brody, Bob Baldwin, Willem Dafoe? Brody, yeah, Willem Dafoe and Edward Norton. All of them have been in four, but surprisingly, Angelica Houston. Oh my has God, been Angelica in five. Houston! Wow, yeah. she yeah. yeah, five Wes Anderson films. Because she fucking she like narrated uh, mm-hmm. French Dispatch. Like, oh my God, damn. There you go. Ah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, but Wes Anderson, a guy who uh, who likes to reuse his actors. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the next round. I think we're down to eight movies, our, our top eight Wes Anderson movies, and it's all feature films, so RIP to all the commercials and shorts, as delightful as they were. But let's start out with Bottle Rocket versus Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, the movie that he made before he really adopted like the Wes Anderson aesthetic or, or developed it, whatever you want to call it, versus Budapest, which in a way kind of feels like when he really arrived at this fully formed I, like idea of these flat spaces, these parallel uh, parallel scenes, very very um, very front and back and left and right, and not diagonal in terms of the direction things move. Uh, it's certainly like a, a signature style. I think there's more to appreciate in Grand Budapest Hotel than there is in Bottle Rocket. As much as Bottle Rocket is kind of like you know the the beginning of so many of the things he did. Jeff, you were saying you like Bottle Rocket. Are you going to go with it over Grand Budapest Hotel? So the thing I like about Bottle Rocket is that it is like this very raw film where it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel as controlled as every other Wes Anderson film. And I think that, you know, part of this is obviously not intentional because it's his first film or his first feature film. But it does work really well with how ridiculous 
the plot is of the film, that it is like this really weird raw film where it just feels really run and gun in a lot of ways. But then there are these typical Wes Anderson, you know, scenes that you would see something like in a later film, like the the shooting guns <clears throat> in the field <clears throat> scene. I feel mm-hmm. like that's something he might still, you know, do in a more recent film. I can't go with it over Grand Budapest Hotel, though. I, I'll say that. But I do I do love yeah. Bottle Rocket. I hear that. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Bottle Rocket, or are we all pro Budapest Hotel in this matchup? Budapest. Going. All right. So let's do uh, the next round, which is Darjeeling Limited versus The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Jeff, again, you, you said you love The Life Aquatic with Steve yeah. Zissou. What, how do you feel about Darjeeling Limited, though? So I also love Darjeeling Limited. Um, oh, I'm gonna be honest. These are my actually these are my two favorite Wes Anderson films. Ooh. Wow! Which, as you were saying, like an unconventional in the pair. Yeah, and that's what you were saying in the beginning is that you know, and I completely agree that Wes Anderson has such a wide variety of films. People will you know consider their favorites or even their best. Like these are two films that generally people put you know right in the middle to like low mm-hmm. middle of his films. And for me, they're my two favorite. I think I just really like the just the relationships in the films as, as part of the reason why they're my favorite. And also Life Aquatic just aesthetically is my favorite Wes Anderson film because it's right after, you know, he's kind of it's after Rushmore, which is like his first very controlled film. Mm-hmm. But just the the ridiculous like stop motion, like sea creatures in it and the color scheme and the outfits i don't know the the you know portuguese david bowie covers the whole thing is just like a ridiculous film yeah it's just so much fun to watch i don't know i yeah so i have to go with life aquatic because it is my favorite film but i also love darjeeling loaded arturo do you have any thoughts on darjeeling are you more of a life aquatic guy uh i'd have to rewatch both of them more recently to have more thoughts on it but again from what i remember the life aquatic always stood out to me a little bit more yeah yeah same with you karsten yeah, yeah, it's just a better aesthetic. It's it's a little bit more tight. It's tighter than Darjeeling Limited. I feel like that's one of his loosest films, even though it has yeah. a really great connection with the brothers. I think that's what I get out of it. Clearly a movie made by someone who had brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I think that's that's the appeal there. But, uh, like, why <laughs> for me? <laughs> yeah. No, the, uh, I mentioned already that I, I rewatched... Darjeeling. I also rewatched Life Aquatic, and I watched them back to back, and I was kind of on the fence. Like, I think for me, they they are a little bit like neck and neck in terms of the Wes Anderson rankings. <laughs> but there's maybe elements of Life Aquatic that stick with me more than elements of Darjeeling Limited. You know, you mentioned like the the Portuguese David Bowie covers. Art mentioned the uh, the colors in Life Aquatic. It's just there there are parts of it that are so memorable that I think I'll go with that over Darjeeling Limited. Now we're heading to a matchup that's going to kill some dar- darlings for sure. Uh, this is the Royal Tenenbaums versus Fantastic Mr. Fox. And Carson, I know that you've recently put Fantastic Mr. Fox at the top of Russ Anderson rankings. You've talked about it on your channel quite a bit. Yeah. For me... Royal Tenenbaums is probably my favorite of the Wes Anderson films. We all have different uh, I, I really ones, love don't this we? One. I guess so. Art, I, I don't know if you've revealed your number one choice yet. There's a commercial. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did want to ask before we actually get into the matchup <clears throat> that for me the Royal Tenenbaums was my first 
real experience with Wes Anderson film. And uh, for me, like I, it, I don't know if it's that it was first or that I just responded to the material, but it really stuck with me. Do you guys feel like you responded more to like your first or your second Wes Anderson movie or, or did it take some time for you to come around and, and uh, figure out what was your favorite? Fantastic Mr. Fox was my first, but, and, and that's, I, I resonated really heavily. I, I just remember seeing like trailers for it and being like, this is, this is it. This is mm-hmm. exactly what I want. And then Royal Tenenbaums was coincidentally my second one. And when I watched that, I was like, okay, so this is his thing. <laughs> like, yeah. He does this every movie, I guess. And that's when I was like, I also really, that's what's really brutal about this round is that Royal Tenenbaums really stuck with me the first time I saw it too. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided like, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. But yeah, you know, there's something about just like my, my history with Mr. Fox and I've recently just revisited, revisited it. I'm doing like an an analysis on Kylie specifically for a video and nice. um I just think he he there's a lot of small details in that movie where it feels like he understands each character there so well and it feels very real how they respond and also just reject so many situations like Mr. Fox is perfectly oblivious to <laughs> so much of his wrongdoings and he's so adamant about it and that's like that's just something I I d- was not used to in films where it was just it was able to poke fun at itself while still being really honest. And I think the the one thing that holds Royal Tenenbaums back from g- moving forward is that it ge- it gets there with a few of the characters, like Richie, obviously, and uh, Royal. But I, I mm-hmm. and um, what's her name, Margot. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's it's a it's a huge cast of characters that he wasn't able to. I wasn't able to connect to entirely, but that's just me nitpicking at this point. I just think at the end of the day, Mr. Fox, uh, just a tough matchup here. I really, I, it sucks, (laughs) but yeah. Uh, Jeff Arturo, do you, do you know if either of you, uh, it was your first Wes Anderson movie that ended up becoming your favorite one? Uh, I, I think my first was actually Darjeeling limited. Oh, so one Uh, of your favorites. Yeah. So one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, mine, I, I would have, it's not my favorite, but I did also join in around the time of Fantastic Mr. Fox when it was out on DVD. Mm. And then I went back because mm. the Blockbuster guys told me go rent all these movies, so I did. Uh, and that's <laughs> when I had seen all of the previous ones. But it's not my favorite. However, I do like both of these two equally. Like, we studied both of these. We did a whole breakdown with the Royal Tenenbaums and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think they're both equally as good. Like, I have no bad things to say about either. But I think, as much as I love the relations in Royal Tenenbaums and the way they go back and forth. I'm a, like I said, I'm a big sucker for stop motion. So to see the man go fully in stop motion, I think Fantastic Mr. Fox edges, edges it out just a little bit. But I rewatched awesome. both and I could probably swap out. But uh, I saw the passion in Carson's eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, where do you I, run between Royal and Fantastic? I would pick Royal Tenenbaums. So Ooh. again, <laughs> so it makes it interesting. Can't, can't help it. <laughs> Can't help it, Karsten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, two two excellent films. It's really hard to go wrong with either of these choices. All right, Karsten. Are we are we playing two? one or two <laughs> odds and evens again? One or two. Um, I'm gonna say one. Oh my oh. god! Oh no! 
And the unexpected victory for Royal Tenenbaums. My team keeps I, I, losing. <laughs> I'm going for Fox. You could have lied. You could have just been like, one. That's all you had to do. Up. Yeah. Uh, um, I got to say, with, with Fantastic Mr. Fox, I am, like, disappointed that there aren't more almost, like, imitators of it, right? Like, it, it feels like an entire generation of animated movies are taking a, uh, taking after, like, what Pixar did. And I thought Fantastic Mr. Fox was such, like, a revelation uh, at that time in major animated movies. The, the It feels so much more storybook than any of the other, like, storybook adaptations. And I, I, I love the design of it. I'm, it maybe it is the more unique mm-hmm. of the two of these movies, but I I got to give the edge to Royal Tenenbaums just for personal reasons. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm happy to see that one advance. Our last of the matchups before the final four is Moonrise Kingdom versus Rushmore. We've already said quite a bit on Moonrise Kingdom, but Rushmore is one of the ones that's typically identified as like a a major uh, milestone for Wes Anderson. Like a lot of people kind of think of this as really when his style began. I feel like Vampire Weekend wouldn't have an aesthetic if it wasn't for the movie Rushmore, uh, to cert- at least the, for the Oxford Comma music video. So I'm I'm going with Rushmore here. I don't know if anybody is going to go with Moonrise Kingdom over it. Arturo, are you? Yeah, but uh, yeah, you like Moonrise Kingdom more? Yeah, but I know these guys hate it. I know when it like plays on the screen. <laughs> okay, like, yeah. What do you like no, more about no, Moonrise? No, Carson hates it. I I, I never like said it. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the what childlike you know? wonder to it. I like the characters, you know, mm-hmm. how they're inhabited in this adult world that's running everything and just like the ins and outs of it. I wasn't fully a camp kid, but I was definitely an outdoors kid. So I do like the whole aspects mm-hmm. of what they do there. And again, that wasn't my first, but that would have been the first one I saw in theaters. Still mm-hmm. not my favorite, though, but I would put Moonrise Kingdom above Rushmore just a little bit. I'm assuming that's across the board. We're going with Rushmore yeah, here. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So we've made it to our final four. And just before we get into that, I want to thank, give a quick shout out to our producer level intercut patrons over on the Patreon. They are Cademan, D.A. Zapata, Ewan, Tushar, and of course the producer level patron, Awkward. Thank you all for your continued support of the show and reminder you can do you can join in over on patreon.com slash intercutpod for as little as one dollar a month and hang out with us monthly on our google hangouts where we'll discuss discuss the latest movie news and stuff uh, maybe play a little cineclash with arturo so yeah a lot of cool benefits to being an inter- intercut patron let's talk about the four best wes anderson films starting off with the grand budapest hotel versus The Life Aquatic. Art, where do you land on the matchup between Budapest and Life Aquatic? Grand Budapest Hotel is his masterpiece, and it is my favorite Wes Anderson (laughs) film. I think across the board he is firing on all cylinders. I think from the production design, this is his best. I think from a music standpoint, Alexander Desplat's score, fantastic. It's the reason why it won. And I think Ralph Fiennes gives... I'm not... I won't argue that it's the best performance in a Wes Anderson movie, but it's definitely up there. I think it's the most one of the most committed ones in uh, the way that he runs the hotel. He's practically the Mr. Mosby of this spot. And I just think everything from hair, makeup, just the, all of it. Th- this is the epitome of Wes Anderson, in my opinion. And that's why it's my number one. Yeah. I feel like Wes Anderson has been trying to do the kind of like 
Russian nesting doll of a this movie is it. in a lot of his films. Like Zizou has elements of that. Uh, French Dispatch has elements of that. And this is probably the most successful version mm-hmm. of that. Carson, what do you feel? Where do you land between these two major I was, Wes Anderson movies? I was going to say that I I think the thing that I like most about it is that it pulls off that story within a story within a story thing mm-hmm. that I honestly like a lot about the French Dispatch, to be honest. But I agree with you. He, he clearly does it a lot cleaner and just a lot. It's it's clearly one of his most controlled movies. He For sure. is really paying attention to the characters in a way that he hasn't really since and and hadn't really before besides fantastic mr fox in my opinion but yeah i uh i agree with art i think it's not my favorite wes anderson movie but it is probably his best right I feel like there's a difference it's yeah. it's definitely like his the stars just aligned with this movie and and the style and substance are both completely balanced but without losing the style, like it's still full Wes Anderson. Yeah, I just I, I love it. I think it's it's gonna be the one that people remember him by, and it's a classic already. So, yeah, gotta go Grand Budapest. <laughs> Sorry, right, Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, I, I had a feeling <laughs> this round was gonna go this way. Uh, it's always gonna be a tough one. You know. I, I will say that when I saw this in theaters, the people in front of me said they hated it when they were getting up to leave. So, Which one? Grand Budapest? Or? Grand Budapest. Oh, wow. Damn. So <laughs> I, I disagreed. Damn. I disagreed. <laughs> Give this uh, one to them. Yeah. So it's like if we're going, you know, that there was two of them. You're letting them so win. Yeah. There's two of them, the so it's win. three to three. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will agree that just the attention to detail in that film is what I think Wes Anderson strives for. And it was like the first time he fully 100% right? hit that bar. It's like there, I don't think in retrospect, you know, years later, there's anything he would change in that film. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which is, you know, which is funny because it's like, then his next film was Isle of Dogs where there was no attention <laughs> given to any of the characters. So it's like, he's like, okay, I used all my attention in this previous film. Here's, here's some talking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i i have to say my favorite film is life aquatic you know total film obviously not even just wes anderson film so i'm i'm gonna lose this round but uh i'm dissenting it's good but <laughs> I, mean, I i i see why i see why everyone loves grand budapest hotel so much yeah a lot of reasons to love grand budapest hotel it's obviously like an immaculately uh immaculately crafted Wes Anderson film with a lot of amazing eccentric performances. The cast is unreal in that movie. There's a lot to really like about Life Aquatic, though. A lot, a lot of really fun mm-hmm. elements, uh, great performances, moments, the, the soundtrack, the, uh, the look. Art talked about those iconic Jacques Cousteau-inspired costumes. Am I, am I wrong here if I'm going to go with Life Aquatic? This man. Just, just by a hair? This man. <laughs> just by a hair? This second. Man. Are we going to have to do the number thing again? <laughs> let's, let's make it a clean three. Three, three uh, odds and evens guessing All games. Right, I got the number. <laughs> Carson, your call. I, don't fuck. I have not been good at this game. <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, two. Uh. Oh, wait, yes. That's, <laughs> I forgot which one he was going for. <laughs> <laughs> honestly 
I'm a, I'm a little glad that Budapest pulled this out because I feel like that that is maybe more of like the consensus choice. I was about to say, um, man. But maybe we'd get more then. angry comments if we we went the other yeah, way. Yeah, so. I, I kind of think you might have. It wouldn't matter to me because they would have been for yeah. your podcast, not mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. The way that Carson described it at the beginning, on point just throughout the entire podcast, the fact that it always has to come down to a, to a split it mm-hmm. just proves uh, just how Proves how that we should have had three guess instead of two <laughs> somehow we still end up with a split yeah <laughs> all right uh it, interesting though um now that you revealed your grand budapest allegiance art that three of our four favorite films made it to the final four with grand budapest life aquatic and then in the next next matchup royal tenenbaums uh so but they're all different sorry too. that i couldn't let karsten's make it all the way literally but, uh like, we got <laughs> i don't know how <laughs> So we have Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore in the matchup for the other place in the finals. His like uh, two early career live action probably highlights, I'd say. A lot to like in both these movies. I think Jeff mentioned that one of the things he liked about Bottle Rocket was how it's a much rawer version of Wes Anderson. And I think, you know, you, you get the gradual like refining out of that rawness over the course of these two movies with Rushmore. I still feel like there's enough of it there that I, I do really enjoy. I I enjoy the slack nature of it. I I enjoy some of the silliness that's allowed to just kind of unfold. And it isn't quite as like quick cut as you'd get in a more recent Wes Anderson film. (sighs) While I, I enjoyed so much rewatching it. it. It is such a silly, fun movie. I, I do have these strong feelings for how emotional I got with Royal Tenenbaums. You know, he's often criticized for having a lack of emotionality in his work, and Royal Tenenbaums is like the perhaps the most the the best counter argument to that. That even though characters often keep their emotions close to the sleeve, there still is like a clear there's clear feelings going on, and, and it's so purposeful to how the progression of his characters i really love royal tenenbaums what about the rest of y'all is anybody here gonna go with rushmore oh you're not picking rushmore i'm going with royal tenenbaums <laughs> i thought Rushmore was your favorite no royal tenenbaums is my favorite oh okay well i agree as well the, i had said that uh was a fantastic mr fox and royal tenenbaums may flop with me well rushmore would be right underneath those two so no matter what the time of day is rushmore would have still come a little bit less yeah I, um, I, I, these are very, like, a lot of people pair them together, I think because he put them out back to back, but yeah, the thing is, and this is just the last thing I'll say about Rushmore, Rushmore's like really structurally like there and it's super funny. It's like when his humor starts to come full, full, I I forget the phrase, um, (laughs) but, uh, the thing is, I don't like Max that much. I think Max can get kind of annoying. And mm-hmm. the thing is, so can Royal, so can most of the Royal Tenenbaums family, but they're like, and I said this in my video, it's kind of in the same way I look at the Roys in succession. It's like, they're just such a disaster that I can't look away from. And yeah, it's because they're so real and they're such a, they're such a mm-hmm. real family that I think it's kind of amazing how, how much that man was able to carry this early on in his career. So yeah, obviously Royal Tenenbaums. Right. Yeah, I think whenever his characters do kind of have those faults, mm-hmm. they're done in very relatable ways, mm-hmm. very kind of like egotistical ways. Yeah. But yeah, 
a lot to like in both these movies. I think we're all going with Royal Tenenbaums here. So that leaves us with a Grand Budapest Hotel, Royal Tenenbaums final. Probably the like, the f one is very much uh, about, I, I don't know if you can even really classify them as one's more substance, one's more style, because they both have a lot of both, but maybe they get labeled that way a little bit in terms of early career Wes or later career Wes, or maybe it's mid career Wes. Art, why don't you start us off? Why does Grand Budapest Hotel deserve to win this final matchup? You know what inglorious is to Tarantino? That's what this movie is to Wes Anderson. You respect it even if it's not your favorite. Inglorious is my favorite out of uh, Tarantino's, but I, I, I can see why he ends that movie with the line, this might just be my masterpiece, because he knows it. This just so happens to be the stars aligning where it's not just I believe his best, but also my favorite. I believe it's one that you can revisit, and because of how sprawling the story is, uh, it's able to you know just be worth it on its rewatchabilities. Like I said, all the from all the basics of uh, acting, score, all of it delivers in every front. And uh, yeah, I, we were talking about French Dispatch as well, and the way that that's able to be its anthology. I wonder if he would have done a movie like French Dispatch <clears throat> first, would would the novelty of that. I guess maybe had people liking it more, um, but we'll never mm. know because his masterpiece came out first in 2014 uh, and it is called the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I disagree, but oh! <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do think, uh, like I said, I'm not going to take back what I said earlier. Obviously I think the Grand Budapest is his best movie, but I think Royal Tenenbaums, there's something a little bit more, human about what's coming through yeah. there um he's he's nails his world building in both these films they're just on different scales like i feel like i get the whole i get the whole what like where the world is at with grand budapest hotel uh but royal tenenbaums it's just all can like in this one house uh and i feel like I'm, I'm a part of the family by the end by the end of that film and i think that's just something that resonates with me a little bit more um it, it feels like he's having a little bit more fun. The music in Royal Tenenbaums, like that a oh, lot some of, of those needle drops are unreal. Yeah, the needle drops are crazy. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's got a lot more, uh, you know, you can't really, I think something else. And I compare it to the French dispatch in this way. Like you can't categorize it under one color palette or tone the way you can a lot of his other movies. I think grand Budapest hotel, especially. Fair. And that's a, that's, fair. that's not a bad thing. That's actually a great thing. Yeah. But uh, Royal Tenenbaums is just like, you get so many different sides to the story under one roof. And I think it's just a really cool, one of a kind movie. Uh, he's never made mm -hmm. anything like it before. Grand Budapest Hotel, he's kind of trying to replicate that every, with every film. It's the model. Anyways, that's my. Yeah. So I'm going with Royal Tenenbaums. Um, Jeff, is that where you would go in this matchup as well? Uh, yeah, I would go Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, the thing is that Jeff, I think objectively, <laughs> <laughs> objectively, uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, in terms of like style, you know, and aesthetics and form, it's it's the most perfect Wes Anderson film to look at. But I just think that the Royal Tenenbaums, at the end of the day you know, I feel more watching that film, which is something you can't obviously quantify, um, you know, 
objectively it's something that's different to every person but for me it's just a the film just hits me a lot harder than royal Ten- or i mean grand budapest hotel i would agree for sure there uh, i definitely feel the royal tenenbaums a lot more and as much as i appreciate the way that uh wes anderson is developed as a visual stylist i just i respond more to what he's putting out there in royal tenenbaums i sometimes i kind of wish uh, his movies did revert back a little bit to to some of the like emotionality and the familiarity, uh, you know, the, the family ties that he he talks about in a lot of his early movies are, are not as present in uh, the later ones. But yeah, it, hard to really choose between all these great movies because there's not really a lot of like even when he falters, there's still a lot to appreciate in what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he, he gets it right, it, the movies are just really magical. So a lot of great movies. We're choosing the Royal Tenenbaums in the end. Got to say I'm happy with that one. Uh, you guys surprised at all? Does this feel like a fair ending to the Wes Anderson bracket? There are several that if they would have ended up at number one. Yeah. Again, you can't even you'd be like, all right, fair. This I was predicting yeah. this would come out on top, to be fair. It was either it was actually like kind of right on the money. I thought it was going to be this or Grand Budapest. So, yeah. you know, that's... Yep. Same, I, and I'm cool with either going home, but yeah, I think this one, yeah, yeah, right. and it says a lot about his filmography that there was probably only three films where if they won, I would have been like, what? <laughs> and right. one's a commercial. Isle of Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Isle of Dogs would have been in the final, and you guys started leaning that way, I would have just left the <laughs> Google Hangout. <laughs> like I'm being punked over here. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about it for our Wes Anderson bracket. Thank you guys so much for joining us. You can follow more, f- catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's Z S H E V as in Vikram I C H. Jeff, where can people find more from you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Borslow. Uh, you, you probably will spell it right if you try. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put something in the description. Uh, Karsten, how about you? Where can people find more from you? Uh, you can follow me on YouTube. Uh, just Karsten Runquist. You you just you can just do Karsten, and you might with a K. Yeah. Uh, and with an it's like if they made a Cars ten, but they spelled it with a K. That's enough instructions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Arturo, where can people find more from you? Uh, you can find me over at Let Me Explain on Twitter, uh, YouTube. See me at the Grand Budapest Hotel doing the lobbying as it should be on a daily basis and every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Monday. And please leave us a comment, like the videos, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, all of them are at IntercutPod, as well as our Patreon at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from Karsten, from Jeff, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, just try to make it sound like you wrote it that way on purpose. <laughs>